Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you, and you are in for a treat. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast founder and managing partner of Stellaris Group, Miss Dawn Stasny. How are you? I am fabulous. Living the dream, Stone. It's awesome. Well, I have been looking forward to this conversation for some time now. Uh, before we dive in too deep, could you give our listeners just a little bit of a primer, mission, purpose? What What are you out there trying to do for folks, Dawn? Well, about 10 years ago, our anniversary is in, in April. It will be 10 years. About 10 years ago, I found myself in the situation of discovering by virtue of panels that um, small business did not know what HR was, did not have HR, had no access to HR, and were in a very dangerous spot. I'm not worried about the Coca-Cola of the world or the Georgia Pacific. I love them, and it's great that they're here in Georgia. They, they bring a lot of jobs and great stuff, but they have floors and floors of HR people. You, me, the guy next door, the guy down the street, your friend on the golf course, they don't have HR people. And they, they can get in a whole lot of trouble if they don't have access to that information and that those as, as a resource. So that's what we do. So, We're there for all those other people that don't need it every day but need it. So what do you find are some of the more common mistakes that you see over and over? And maybe just as importantly, maybe the consequences of that. Oh, see, that's, that's the scariest part. What, what we run into probably most commonly is that small business owners start out a lot of times just themselves or just a family member. And you can get away with paying your spouse or your kid less than you're supposed to, and they're not going to turn you in. Um, <laughs> you'll be okay. <laughs> right. But, they, but when you start getting employees and you start dealing, you know, it's all well and good until you get people, and then suddenly it gets very messy and complicated. So they tend to find themselves in trouble with, with the way that they've paid somebody. They didn't pay them over time, or they didn't pay them enough, or they, they didn't pay them often enough, and then they go to the Department of Labor to file unemployment, and what? You didn't pay taxes, and so now you're paying back taxes, and there's a fine, or you know, people can be kind of mean, they can be spiteful and vindictive and, you know, turn you into a government agency. And unfortunately, this is this is something that most people don't know. And it's, it's a very bizarre thing that, oddly enough, employment law is the only law in the country that the employer is guilty until proven innocent, not the other way around. If you and I stole a car, robbed a bank or whatever we did, we're innocent until we're proven guilty. Not with employment law. Employment law, you're guilty until you prove you're not. So if somebody goes and makes a claim to OSHA or the Department of Labor or whatever, it's assumed that you're wrong and that you got to prove that you didn't do anything wrong, which is dangerous, (laughs) right? And we're just trying to give people jobs and and make a living and, and build a business. And sometimes that, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. So in the very um, early stages of a, a relationship and engagement with you, is there, I don't know, some sort of um, health check audit, some sort of like, let's just see how bad things are or how, how okay you are. Is that kind of what happens early on? 
It, it is. And, you know, it, it's funny because we were going to, um, I was going to surprise you with it at the end, but I'll tell you now, um, we we always do and always offer a, um, a sort of a risk compliance um, checkup for anybody that wants to talk to us and, and go that engagement route of, you know, how do I even know if I need you? What do I, I don't know what I know and I don't know what I don't know, that kind of thing. And so we always do that. But um, I will say that anybody that we talk to or engage as a result of this, not only will we do that, we will also give them a couple hours consultation to kind of tell them what they should do about what we find. Oh, well, marvelous. So, so for those of you who are listening live and maybe who will, who will find this uh, as they're listening on demand, please, please take advantage of that opportunity because like you say, you know, I think I can speak for most of us because I'm a small business person as, as well. And I feel like I've, I've done a pretty good job of, of honing my own craft and I don't even know what I don't know when it comes to these topics that you specialize in. Um, and so just to, to I, you know, in the very early going, gosh, Don, I, I, I don't even know what questions to ask, you know? Well, and, and that's the truth. And that's very common. Um, people are like, wait, what? Um, what just happened? Um, you don't know until a lot of times we find out or other people find out the uh, um, they find out on the golf course or they get a letter that says they're in trouble for something. And their friend at the golf course is like, oh, well, yeah, that's a thing. I had somebody call me one time and say, I, I got this. My friend got a letter from the Department of Labor, and mine are usually two pages, and theirs is five pages. And I hmm. said, does it say audit at the top? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's a thing. Aye, aye, are like, okay. Um, so we that, that's how that happens. They don't know what they don't know. And now this can, I would think – this can go all the way back to to recruiting and, and hiring, right? Like the practices that you employ and the way you go about maybe even advertising for a post and certainly the way you would conduct an interview. Is that is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. Interviewing, hiring, firing, you know, and, and a lot of times people get almost set up. Sometimes they're, you know, just like you have those people that are scam artists that will cause a car accident so they can, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. take you to the cleaners. It, the same thing happens in employment law. They'll come into an interview and they'll say something that, you know, you probably shouldn't ask and that, you're, you know, I'm expecting a baby or whatever their thing may be. And they put something out there and then they claim you discriminated against them. I mean, it's it's. I'm, I hate to be the person to admit it, but I will admit it because I live every day as positively as I can. But I am a little bit cynical and skeptical, and I, I often do. At least the military told me when they let me loose on the world again um, that I have a low opinion of human nature. And so I look at things and go, what's the worst case scenario? How could that go wrong? Um, and it can go very wrong. And, you know, I just look at it and go, how do I defend against that? What What's the worst case scenario? And it does happen. And and all you can do is try and be in front of it. But it, but people do do that. So you were in the military. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about your backstory. You touched on it at the beginning of the conversation. But how does one 
navigate through and land where where you have what's that story oh well <laughs> um, i have i am i would love to say that it's cuz i'm super super smart but that would be disingenuous i'm not it's because i have been blessed enough to have a lot of fantastic opportunities presented to me in my life and um i will say that i was smart enough to recognize them and do something with them um i i grew up in texas and um, much unwelcome by my parents in the way that they did not want me to take the path I took. <laughs> I, well, they were very, I was raised by Jen and Ward Cleaver. And so I never saw my mother drive a car. They would have been very happy if I had stayed home and made babies and did all those things, which I have all the respect in the world for people that can do it. But I wanted, um, I, I was pretty ambitious. And so I, trotted myself out, out into the world. I did go to First Desert Storm. I enlisted in the Navy. I served in the Marine Corps. And in 91, I was in Kuwait. When I came out of the military, I went to work for um, a division of GE in Chicago. And in my time with GE, I only met Jack Welch twice. One was a trip to the men's room. And he changed my career on his trip to the men's room. I walked him down the hall and wow. he told me, he said, you know, nobody died and left HR in charge. You people are bossy. Um, you need to learn how to say, <laughs> right? You need to learn how to say yes and stop saying no. Um, and they have to like you enough to let you into that room, but they have to respect you enough to listen to you and let you stay. Mm -hmm. And my entire career has been, um, I would say, I always take that back to my, you know, if I go to the base cause, I, I start everything with, okay, tell me what you're trying to do, and then let's get you there based on that conversation. So Jack Welch's need mm -hmm. to go to the men's room changed my life. And when I left GE, I went to international advertising, which that philosophy served me very well because it's worse than Mad Men. Um, <laughs> it's way worse. There were drugs. There were alcohol. That mm. uh, you know, the sex in the office. Those things really happen in the advertising world. Wow. Back in in the nineties, anyway. Mm. I, I can't speak to it today, but in the nineties, it was really a thing. And I left there and went to um, transportation dealt with labor unions and from there to pharmaceuticals, which is where I started doing the panels and became an affordable care act expert, which is where we found that small business was about to be impacted by a lot of things that they just weren't prepared for. And when I would speak on those panels, I got, because we were a privately owned business, but we were also pharmaceutical, which was part of that act. And when that happened, we would get a lot after those panels, you, people stand around and talk. And I got a lot of, well, you know, my wife does our HR, our lawyer does our HR, our accountant does our HR. We don't have HR. Do we have to have HR? What is HR? And why do I really need HR? And I did tell my husband, I said, I feel bad because Coke and Georgia Pacific, they got six floors of people. They'll be just fine. But the little guy down the street, he has no idea what he's in for. He's going to be fine. There's these things and it's a deal. They're not, you know, it, it applies to you. The rules change. And so I went to KSU to the small business office um, and did some research and found nobody was doing it the way I wanted to do it, which is what we have here today, which is you don't need it every day. Most small businesses need it once a week, a couple times a month. Sometimes they need it every day, but not most of them. And they can't afford what level I was and what we could bring to the table every day. They couldn't afford that salary. 
even a little bit of a salary was overhead. And so Mm -hmm. they didn't have access to it. And we put it together to be very fractional in that when you need that help, you don't need to be trying to figure out who to call. You just need to pick up a phone and call somebody and go, okay, now I need to do something. So we did a lot of projects and, you know, I need a handbook or I need some paperwork. I need an application. We're going to start hiring people. And we started doing the work as projects. And when they need something, they call. And um, even though our business model has changed over the decade and and a lot of our clients are larger, we've never, um, I live in Town Lake. I live in Cherokee County. I'm, I've been up in Cherokee. I've been in my house now 20 years. Um, We will never, that is a cornerstone for us is the small business and, and local and um, we will never abandon our small businesses. We still have a huge diverse portfolio of small businesses. Our first 10 clients are still our clients Wow! to, to this day. Um, and they're all small businesses that, you know, they've grown along with us. So we've, we've had the joy of watching them grow. It certainly seems to me like ultimately what you really deliver is peace of mind. Um, as a small business person, I feel like I've got you in my corner. You're watching my back. You're not just racking up billable hours, but you're you're plugging in when and where needed. The, the I I think the reason I'm investing the time in writing a check at that point is, for me, I think the benefit would be peace of mind. Yeah. Yes. Um. And and we get a lot of that. I've I have some clients that one told me yesterday. She said, you know, I allocate some of my monthly budget to therapy with you because as a business owner it's lonely too on top of Mm -hmm. the compliance and the rules and knowing that okay I can call and ask that question let's be honest nobody's going to the guy at the Publix deli and going dude I'm paying people under the table they're not um they're not going to tell somebody they did something wrong they have to trust you and be comfortable that Mm -hmm. one they can tell you that they think they did something Mm -hmm. wrong and they probably should fix it before they get in trouble um, they, they need to go, can I do that? I, that is the most common question that I get is, can I do that? Um, because they're not sure if they can. And if you ask the wrong person, can I do that? And okay, I've been doing this wrong. How do I fix that? You know, they worry that somebody's going to rat them out. Somebody's going to tell them it's, it's an isolating thing sometimes for an owner. And even myself as a business owner, I find myself at times going, you know, who else, who am I going to call and tell? I, I don't have, a, like in a big company, you have a peer group. Even as a management team, mm-hmm. you have a peer group. You have somebody to talk it off the, you know, bounce it off with, talk to them, and they'll talk you off the ledge. You talk them off the ledge. But when, you know, I tell a lot of our owners, heavy is the head that wears the crown. When it's all you and, and all those people are relying on you and, you know, your family's relying on you to pay the bills, you're, you know, your staff's implying, relying on you to pay their salary, you know, that's a lot of weight. That's, it's a heavy burden to bear. So you mentioned Coke and Georgia Pacific. My wife, she has a real job. Uh, she'd have to for me to do this, <laughs> but uh, a big company, IBM. IBM has a policy, a procedure, a guideline for Anything you could possibly imagine. But even small organizations, we should have, should we have some documents, a three-ring binder somewhere? We should yes. have that on file, right, somewhere? Absolutely. And and that's a lot of times, one, one of my staff will tell you that the handbook is the gateway drug here. 
them <laughs> because we start out doing their handbook and then they go, oh, you can do that. And we end up doing that. And it's like, really, you can do that too? So then we end up doing that. Next thing you know, what started off as a handbook project because they feel like they need some rules because now they have two people and, and you know, I've got to have some rules. Um and what, so they start off with a handbook and, and then they move into, oh, I-9s. Yeah, the government says I have to do those. Okay, well, so what, how, do, how do I do that? What about employee files? And then now we all have a COVID policy. I've uh-huh. done more COVID policies in the last nine months. And today we did, you know, a pandemic policy because everybody's updating their handbooks for next year. And it's like, well, yeah, COVID technically in theory, you know, a lot of the provisions, the FFCRA and the PPP and all of that kind of goes away December 31st, but it's not the last pandemic we're going to be up against. And next year, it's still going to be something. So pandemic policies and travel policies, and now I'm sending people out of town and all the, all the little things, you know, credit card policies. I gave my person a credit card to pay the bills. Well, you need a policy for how they use those. And mm. There's a policy for everything. Now, <laughs> you know, some people are, are good with it and some people are not. And and we try to do a lot of the how do we how do we make it work for you? The one thing that I can say now, you can go to an ADP or a paychecks or one of those bigger companies and they'll say, yes, we do HR, too. But it's very cookie cutter. And, and I don't want to badmouth my my competition at all. It's not that it's we are truly a custom solution in that we have the flexibility because we're a small business too, that my answer usually is, well, what would you like it to be? What do you, what do you want to do as opposed to, well, do you pay once a week, once a month, twice a week, every other week? What, how do you, how do you pay? Okay, here, take this card. Do you offer benefits? Yes or no. Okay, here, take this card. Do you, you know, have a 401k plan? Okay, here, take this card. Ours is more, well, some people, we only do their benefits. I have one company, they don't like to manage their benefits, so we only do that. Some people want us to do everything from writing the ad, interviewing, hiring, firing, their performance reviews of their staff, all of those other things. If you have an employee that you're uncomfortable letting go and you're not sure how that's going to go, if you call ADP or paychecks and go, hey, should we let them go or not? They can't tell you. Their rules, they're too big. They are very driven by their mm-hmm. rules and their structure. They can't help you do that. We will. And I've actually, I go and do it most of the time because the owner's not really sure what they should say, what they should not say, and they don't want to get in trouble. And so I will actually do it for them. So it's, it's very, what do you want it to be? Well, I love that idea. I love the idea that I could come to you and say, well, first of all, before I do it, I'm sure it would be the ideal client instead of me coming to you and Dawn, we did this and <laughs> help us get out of it. But if I could come to you and say, hey, Dawn, we're thinking about doing this. Can we do this? And maybe your answer is, well, no, Stone, that's maybe not, but you could probably do this or we could do that. Or like you said, what are you trying to accomplish? Let's found a route. I personally, I think would find a, a great deal of, of comfort in that. I what are you finding the most rewarding about the the work? What do you enjoy the most about it? It's funny. I and, and you're right. We do do that. We do a lot of that. Well, you can, but the risk of getting caught is this or this. And if you get caught, the fine is this or this. And maybe we should do this instead. And you can do that. But if you wait two weeks and do this before you do that, you've, you've mitigated your risk. 
Um, so how bad do you want that to happen today? Or are you okay with another week or two so we can document some things and tell them that's not going to work out for them and work them out gracefully? Um, I would say for me, the part that I enjoy the most, I, I do like legal compliance. It's sad, but I do. I, I will own that and say <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I've, I've, this year has been the year of OSHA because of COVID, and um, I, I got all giddy two days ago and, and posted on my teams inside my office. I said, I'm the OSHA queen because I want another OSHA case um, for a client that, you know, People turn them in and, and say they're doing something wrong during COVID, and I have to go through all the documentation and, and work with OSHA and, and work it out. And I have managed – I feel like I need to knock on wood because I don't want to jinx myself. I've managed to, to win three cases in the last three months without – even an OSHA inspection. I, I have a reputation with them now, at least in Illinois and in Georgia, where I've had these cases that, you know, I can send them what they need. I can talk to them on their level. I can explain, here's what we're doing. Here are our protocols. Here are our processes. Here's what we're doing. Here are some mm -hmm. pictures to support that. And they never set foot in the building. Wow. They closed, you know, the one I did this last week that closed the case, um, two days after I submitted everything, I had a deadline to get it submitted. I submitted it, and within 48 hours, I got a letter that said, you know, this is closed. We're good. We don't need to come because I was prepared to get on a plane and meet them there. And they said, you don't have to. We're good. So <laughs> that makes me happy. I, I, I like that. I, I also like, I would say, the truly, though, the most rewarding is to watch our, to watch our, our clients grow. You know, when they go from having two people to eight people to now you're 14 people. Okay, the rules change. There are some new things that apply to you now. And, oh, my gosh, now you're 19 people. So now you have a different set of rules because the rules change with your head count along the way. It changes it to 10, 14, 19, 24, 49. Mm. And once you hit 99, everything applies to you. So it doesn't matter. But <laughs> it all applies at that point. But watching them grow and, and being there um, – when they hire their own HR person that sometimes we interview them, we hire them, we train them, and then we work with them because they may still be a little green or they may not have, you know, I have a degree in org development and in psychology. They may not have 30 years of work history and knowledge that I have, but they're good at the job. And sometimes they just need a little help with that's bigger than me. So I've never seen that before. What do we do with that? And, to watch them grow. And, and sometimes I do the heavy lifting with the owners and they have a day-to-day -day person then by that time that does some of the day-to-day -day regular stuff and they may use us less, but it's nice to still be part of their group and, and work with their team and build their people. Well, and I'm sure just doing good work is a marvelous sales tool in, in, in your arena, but how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a, for a practice like yours? Okay, so I, I used to have the chicken and the egg debate on a regular basis of, um, you know, we don't market because it doesn't work for us. And then, well, are you not marketing because it doesn't work or does it not work because you don't market? We had that <laughs> debate for a long time because for eight, eight years, I never had one invoice that was not a referral. Wow. The, the first eight years I got, and I can tell you my client, I got my first invoice that was not a referral one year ago, a year, a year and a couple months ago. And 
it was Treebird Branding is our very first invoice that she found us. And she went out looking for a boutique style service that was not cookie cutter, that would be more unique to just them. And and here's what I want to do. She was the very first one. We had never had business that wasn't a referral. So the marketing part's really really hard for us because when we, if we tried to advertise, we end up competing with Monster and Career Builder and all those other people for the search words and the search terms. So it doesn't, that yeah. that's not going to work. Um, and so we, we struggled with that for a number of years and I just said, I'm not doing that. It's, it's always been a lot of referrals um, for us. And it's still, I would say, 90% referrals, 95% referrals. I, I can only think of three clients that came to us that were not. And we have 50-something active clients right now. And um, I'm, I'm blessed, and I, and I attribute it 100% to a fantastic staff and a very supportive partner <laughs> that, <laughs> that um, you know, lets us do what we do, that that it's their work and, and the reputation, but we have never been, we've never been fired. That's I have impressive. fired a client, but we've <laughs> never been fired. I fired one. Um, and then I had one that I told them, you know, I love you, but you need something that is not us. You actually need a full-time person and here's what you need. Um, and even them, we hired a person for them and I trained them and I still, you know, talk to them probably once a month, they'll call me with their random, I don't know how to do that. Can you teach me how to do that? Um, so we still do work with them. We just don't do it every day anymore because they needed more than what we, than what our thing was. Um, and it, it was a private school and we have people in every industry. So it's fantastic that we have great variety. I mean, we have warehousing, we have, financial firms. We have doctor's offices. We, we do a lot with medical facilities and medical offices because I'm a HIPAA compliance officer, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just very random, but it's referral probably most everything. We, we really haven't found a real marketing thing that works. Thank you for, for, for answering that question. I'm always interested in understanding how professional services folks build the relationships, cultivate the trust, and then, and then deliver on that. So thank you for that. Before we wrap, could we please leave our listeners with a, with a few actionable tips, some things to think about or ask themselves or help them prepare to have a conversation with you or someone in your field that uh, just kind of get them going on the, on the right track? Absolutely. We, um, I, I would say we have, Always had it out on our website, which I think is a fun thing. We have a a sheet that says, ask yourself these questions. And it has a checkbox list of if you have three to nine employees, do you have these labor posters? Do you have this thing posted? Do you have, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you doing the other? If you have 10 plus people here's your checklist thing that you should probably be ready for. And if you have 50 people, here's the checklist. So that is out there. And um, it's Stellaris.co where they can get that and download that checklist, which will give them things to go, oh, we don't do that. We should probably think about that. Um, 
other than that, I would say it's really just um, thinking about it in terms of if you have if you have employees, even if you only have one or two, the minute you add people, it gets complicated. It's all well and good when it's you and your family. It's It gets complicated when you start adding people. Um, and that's where you have to start asking yourself those questions. Um, I'm always afraid of HR by Google because people, <laughs> um, no, don't, don't go by that. Um, and we have five sets of attorneys. So if I don't have an answer, I have the, the privilege of having five different sets of attorneys I can call and ask. And what, there was one question one time I asked all of them because I didn't like the answer and I kept looking for somebody to tell me something different. And it, it was about another state. And I just thought that can't be right. But I dug until I got the answer. And sure enough, it, it was right. I didn't like it, but it was right. But at least our, our client knew the real answer. So if someone listening to this would like to have a conversation with you or someone on your team, what is the best way to get connected uh, with you guys, whether it's email, phone, website, uh, some some points of contact? So our our website is Stellaris, S-T-E-L-L-A-R-I-S dot C-O, and it is dot co, not dot com. There is no M. Um so info, well, so Stellaris.co is our website. There's a contact thing there. Um, they can do info at Stellaris.co and it will come to me. They can call our office at 678-935-6001. And our director of operations, Mary, can get them on a calendar or, or answer probably their question on the spot if they had just a question. But if somebody wanted to take advantage of that we will do a risk assessment and a risk analysis in, for anybody and say, you know, we would go in and look and we would go, you know, for your size, here's some things that, you know, are probably some scary things for you and where you're running a risk of getting in trouble or you're doing all of this great. You rock on, you know, call us if you need us. Um, and in this case with you guys, if someone came through here and did that, it, we would be more than happy to give them a couple hours of consultation after that of how they could address those things that we found. Well, Dawn, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. I, I love it. And I, I love Cherokee County and um, our, our group out here in Georgia in general and happy to help any small business. I think small business need more people in their corner and we're there. <laughs> All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Don Stasny, founder and managing partner of Stellaris Group, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio. Mm -hmm.